The 2022 draft is only days away, and that means it's time to break down and analyze all the fantasy impacts of the top prospects coming into the NHL. It's time to break it all down on the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast, along with a lot more NHL news going around this summer. Steele and I have everything that you need on today's episode. Thank you for being here. Let's get this paper. Your Locked On Fantasy Hockey, your daily podcast on fantasy hockey. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's draft season, baby, and thank you for so much for tuning in to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast. With Steel and Flip, today's episode features... A good look at the top three prospects set to be drafted in Montreal this week. The Montreal Canadiens having the top pick. That means there is a lot of attention on what's happening right now in terms of who will be drafted first overall. This could have a lot of impact on where you're lining up your dynasty fantasy leagues. So trust me when I say keep it locked right here on today's episode because we will be taking a look at the top three prospects as well as a lot of news in the NHL featuring signings, rumblings out of Edmonton about Jesse Pugliarvi, a big signing from the Pittsburgh Penguins, and a very important move from the San Jose Sharks, putting Mike Greer into a position that he should have been in a long time ago as the GM of the team. Trust me when I say Steele and I have some takes that you want to be hearing on today's episode. And thank you for making us your first listen every single day. We really appreciate it. And when I say this about the NHL draft steal, I know that you've done a lot of work over the past couple of years taking a look at the young crop of players coming out of the, you know, the OHL, WHL, overseas, and elsewhere. This is a good opportunity for fantasy heads to really start making some moves and adding some good young pieces to their team. So I am intrigued to hear what you have to say about the top three players, and of course, all the NHL news we're going to get to after people. So stay tuned for that. But top three players, starting with Shane Wright, we have Yuri Laslavsky, Slavkovsky. There's a lot of slip ups coming in this episode. Logan <laughs> Cooley. Top three in this year's NHL draft steal is leaving a lot to be desired. And it reminds me a lot of the draft that featured Nico Heeshear and Nolan Patrick. Miro Heiskinen, I believe, went third. Yeah. Kale McCarr slipped down to four. I don't know what you think about that take. Hit me with that as well. But what you're feeling overall heading into this draft? Yeah, it does re remind me a lot of that draft as well. And, and looking at some of these players and just the top three alone, this doesn't really stick out as a top prospect draft for me. Yeah. Um, you know, are there any generational players? I, I don't think there are in, in this draft. Maybe, maybe one superstar, but probably not as well. This is a great draft for a lot to bring in a lot of depth players to fill mm -hmm. in the bottom six or even maybe crack uh, the second line as well. But yeah. for the start, this is this the, these players right here are going to be playing, uh, especially the top three are going to be playing bottom six minutes, uh, bottom six forward minutes to uh, to start the season or yeah to start the season. But mm -hmm. it's not really a great draft. It's not a bad draft. But to start off with Shane Wright who I think is probably going to be the first overall pick for the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, yeah. uh, 94 points in 63 games for the Kingston Frontenacs this past season. He's proven that he can be a legitimate uh, offensive weapon as well, mm -hmm. but it's not the style that he plays that is the, you know, the, 
uh, the superstar style of play that, that that is that he plays with. It's he elevates his team and he elevates his linemates, and that's really what he has said and he has brought forward in a lot of the uh, interviews he's had in the past couple of months. That you're not going to get a lot of flashy plays for him, but he elevates his team and he does what needs to be done to uh to get the job done and get the win. He's a winner, and that's what he stated, and I think that's what he's leading with to be the first overall pick. There's a couple of interesting things to look at here with this first overall draft pick because the Montreal Canadiens, obviously, they are one of those historic kind of cornerstone franchises of the league that when they have a first overall draft pick, there just obviously comes a little bit more pressure and attention with that. So when I hear guys like Vincent LeCavalier and, you know, the GM in Montreal now, Kent Hughes, talking about they're not just looking at what this player can do on the ice, it's their character. It's yeah. what can they deal with the pressure? Because that's something that's real. As much as you know, you and I talk a lot about the pressure and the pressure cooker that is Toronto for goaltenders and as such, <laughs> there is definitely a very similar pressure cooker in Montreal. Canadians fans are right up there with the rest of the league in terms of the fans that push the pressure on the front office to make the right moves. So Shane Wright is being looked at from a lot of angles, but my opinion is the same as yours. Shane Wright should be the first overall draft pick, in my opinion. Everything that you see, hear, and, you know, read about, he does a little bit of everything right. And, you know, no pun intended there, but offensively, defensively, with the puck, away from the puck, he is kind of the player. And when he draws comparison, and again, I want to hear what your take is on this, to Patrice Bergeron, that's where I think exactly what you said. Maybe not a superstar, but if you have a Patrice Bergeron in your lineup, and I'm not trying to get this kid to fill those shoes, multiple Selkie winners, but if he can even be a fraction of what Patrice Bergeron is, that's a really good first overall draft pick, especially when you look at some of these other thin drafts that we just mentioned. If you can take a guy with Patrice Bergeron's caliber, your team is taking a nice step forward. Yeah, that's a big that's a big ass or some uh, big skates to fill. For sure, uh, we're, you know we're comparing yep. comparing Shane Wright to to Patrice Bergeron, but I actually like uh, or I want to talk about uh, Yuri Slavkovsky's uh, comparison, who he thinks that he's comparison are really similar to uh, Miko mm. Rantanen's game as well. That's what okay. he was asked to who he's okay. similar, whose uh, play style his is similar to, and he said it was Miko Rantanen. So I'm very surprised, and I think that's again a big ask to 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 see. And I'm really interested to see what happens with the seven, uh, second overall pick. Because if Shane Wright goes first, I think Slavkovsky goes second. And I'm really interested because the New Jersey Devils have made it very clear that the second overall pick is available right now. And I stated this a couple of episodes ago, yes. but I can really see the Vancouver Canucks making a push for that second overall pick. Uh, the Devils have been linked to JT Miller, I mm -hmm. believe. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, they have been linked to JT Miller. Maybe they're holding off on that right now just because they ha still have been linked to, John, to uh, Johnny Goudreau as well. And uh, there has been no talks or he hasn't even answered the offer that Calgary has sent him either. So maybe they're holding off just until the actual draft day to make a move. But I would really like to see uh, the Vancouver Canucks and Devils make a deal, deal here because they don't need any more young players right now. They need some... They need some offensive juggernauts, a JT Miller, a Johnny Goudreau type of player, yeah. someone who's been in the league for a long time, but still brings a lot of offensive weapons into the game and can really help develop and lead this young team for the New Jersey Devils. So I'm really happy to hear that the second overall pick is available. And I'm, I want to see what happens if that gets moved up or anything. 
Yuri Slavkowski is a very intriguing prospect. The more I read, watch about this kid is uh, he also is a fit on the New Jersey Devils. So I think the New Jersey Devils really are playing with fool's gold because like you said, a lot of really intriguing picks and our pieces, I should say, of their forward group. And they have some nice ones up the middle. Dawson Mercer, Nico Heeshear, uh, Jack Hughes. Um, and they made another pick last year. And I'm, the name is escaping me as well. It was deeper down the depth chart. But the centermen in their lineup, they need a winger. And Slavkowski's game really does create space for others, especially on the wing. So I think if they decide to keep the pick, it's good. If they want to yeah. move the pick as a package, again, like you said, also good. I can kind of see you really hit the nail on the head, I think, with the New Jersey Devils being one of those teams that are going to be in the action here. And I'm really excited to see how that unfolds because, Steel, if they don't have like a complete carousel of goaltenders last year, that yeah. team might be a whole lot better than they were. These are a lot of if, ands, or buts, but whatever. The thing about this draft is Logan Cooley, the third prospect that everyone's talking about. There are some upside with his game as well. We've seen some flashy goals from him. We've seen that the American uh, machine of developing players over the last handful of years has really worked out well. So I think realistically, the Montreal Canadiens might be blowing a bit of smoke here while saying they're considering all three. I think that's a nice way to drum up some anticipation and excitement around potentially dealing a pick. Because in my opinion, Shane Wright, if you have a player that can do a little bit of everything and do it well, I think you have to be looking at him. And there's also something to be said about him doing it in the OHL. And we know that scouts and talent prospect, all of that kind of thing, the OHL is that league. So anyway, that's all a very interesting conversation. And I'll throw this out there before we move on a little bit, if you're ready to do so. The Ottawa Senators have a fourth top 10 selection in their last four drafts. They currently right now are selecting at seventh, I believe. They are going to be a team that's in the mix because there are a yeah. lot of really good young players in Ottawa. A lot of prospects on the board for this team, including this seventh round or uh, seventh overall pick. I really do expect the Ottawa Senators to be an active team as well, Steele. Yeah, I believe so too. You know, they've already, I think they've already uh, mentioned as well that Connor Brown could be a player that they move as well because a lot of yeah. teams have been interested in him as well. Uh, and it really does seem like the Ottawa Senators is the team to go to when you really want to get some depth players or some superstars. We saw that over the last couple of years mm. uh, when they made the trade. Uh, they, they traded away Mark Stone, Eric Carlson, some of their guys who were just on the come up uh, and in their prime. We're seeing that right now with some of their uh, with some of the young, the young guys as well. Uh, we just saw Nick Paul got traded and he signs a seven year deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning. So Ottawa centers do have a, a lot of great young talent and if they, if they can be in the action and make some great picks and maybe some trades as well, who knows what they could be possible, uh, what, what they can bring to next season as well. If you want to make some great picks and thank you to all our listeners out there for continuing to ride with the locked on fantasy hockey podcast, make sure you check out bet online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and info, including the continuation of the Major League Baseball season. Get in your props, bets, over-unders, and everything else you want to wager on in the MLB. BetOnline is your continued 
sports wagering source for information, live betting, esports, and more. And it remains the best spot for all of your podcasts, up-to-date news, and information this season. It is the fastest way to check out all of your online events, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today, betonline.net, from your mobile device or your desktop to learn more about the trends and all the action. Bet online, where the game starts. Thank you for making the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast your first listen every single day. The NHL draft is right around the corner. Flip and I just got done talking about the top three prospects in the draft, but it's right around the corner. Starts on Thursday, and our team of local hosts and draft experts are breaking it down with insights and analysis for every first-round pick. Make sure you subscribe to your favorite Locked On podcast as well as the Fantasy Hockey Podcast for all the latest breakdowns on the NHL draft. And Flip, uh, you know, this is a perfect way to segue into our next topic, probably the biggest news we have of today. And I know you have a lot to talk about uh, or a lot to say about this uh, topic as well. Mike Greer becomes the general manager for the San Jose Sharks, Mm. the first black general general manager in NHL history and the fifth general manager in San Jose Sharks history as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. This to me is probably the biggest move and the biggest news of the days. Congratulations to Mike Greer for being, for being named the general manager of the San Jose Sharks. Uh, This is a long time coming. Like you said, at the beginning of the episode we've seen uh, over the last couple of years, uh, not just in the NHL, but specifically more in the NFL, a big push for, for African-Americans or uh, for African-Americans become head coaches, general managers in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really great to see Mike Greer become a general manager in the NHL. Most definitely. And actually, another interesting tidbit of news is also Haley Wickenheiser being promoted to yes. assistant general manager with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And out of any league in the major four, the NHL has been way behind the eight ball yes. on absolutely everything inclusive and everything that we need in this society. And that goes right down to inclusion on sexual harassment, yeah. uh, you know, diversity and all of that. So to see this is so long overdue and so well-deserved for Mike Greer. Just because the NHL is behind the eight ball and everything that they should be doing in terms of being an inclusive organization and leader in the sports community takes nothing away from Mike Greer's appointment as the general manager in San Jose. And good on the San Jose front office and management and ownership for finally putting, you know, his race and all of that behind him is so important and so significant. But Mike Greer has also earned this as a black man in hockey and as a guy who just knows the game in the NHL. He played uh, 19 seasons, I believe. No, that's not right. Anyway, seasons, you know me with numbers. He played Mike in 14 seasons. 14 <laughs> seasons. Thank you so much, Steele, for holding me down. And this is not to take away from my rant here because – Everything that we just saw in the NHL playoffs with Nazem Kadri and everything, yeah. and not to rehash that, this is the move that the NHL needs to take on all kinds of levels. Kudos to Haley Wickenheiser. Kudos to Mike Greer and both of their families for obviously also being just absolute champions to put their family members in a position to succeed. And I'm really excited to see what this means for the San Jose Sharks because, yeah. you know, he was also a scout, an assistant coach in New Jersey, and, of course, his 14 seasons in the NHL, including 162 goals 
and 221 assists still. So this guy was an important factor. And I think really this is such an important step ahead for the NHL. And one for the San Jose Sharks who now have a very capable and astute hockey mind at the reins, not like Wilson and the other guys before him weren't. But I really am excited to see what this means for both the NHL and the San Jose Sharks. And I'm sorry for taking too many minutes of your time. No, that's fine. I, that, that was awesome to hear. And, you know, I really want to see as well if he plays a part in, in you know, in kind of uh, having a relationship with the HDA, uh, HDA as well, uh, with Akeem yep. Alou, Nazem Kadri, Wayne Simmons, yes. who have done a great job over the last couple of seasons, bringing the awareness and kind of push starting this conversation that the NHL has been lacking on over the last, for, for many, many years now. So, Congratulations to Mike Greer for becoming an, uh, the general manager of the San Jose Sharks. A long time coming. He's played the game. He knows the game. I, I, I'm very excited to see what he does for the future with the uh, yes. San Jose Sharks. And apologies. It was the 19 seasons that Doug Wilson, the yes. previous GM, <laughs> held down the position for. That's my bad. And speaking of holding down position, Steele, though we want to talk about Casey DeSmith and the signing from the Pittsburgh Penguins a little bit yeah. because we knew that the Pittsburgh Penguins were one of these teams really on the hot seat to make a move. Two-year, $3.6 million deal with the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's $1.8 million per season, and I can't hold to those numbers. But realistically, Steele, we know Tristan Jari coming off of the season that he had. Yeah. Going into his unrestricted free agency season, I believe he's coming up a UFA. The Pittsburgh Penguins are very thin on options and very tight on ca a salary cap. So I think this was one of those moves that they absolutely had to make. Yeah, I completely agree. They had to get this done. They needed to make sure they solidified a backup goaltender because of the recent injuries to Tristan Jari and some of their other goalies as well. Um, but this is a great signing for the, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They don't have to worry about their backup goaltender anymore. They've, they solidified Casey DeSmith as that guy. Uh, they, can now worry about the future for Tristan Jari in the next year or so, whenever his contract uh, uh, comes to an end, which I believe is next season. Uh, now it's time to focus on Chris Letang and, and Evgeny Malkin to see if they can get a deal done with those two as well. I don't believe they're going to be able to spring back both players, maybe even both players walk. So who knows, but at least they're able to solidify their, their two goalies in the crease. And now it's time to look at their superstars. This is one of those things, Steele, at this point of the year that I don't think it can be more overstated that these critical junctures of the offseason, and we've seen it go south for a number of teams that are kind of on the bubble. And in my opinion, after the way that they kind of, we really did feel like this could have been one of those last pushes for this core in Pittsburgh this season. And they were very close, but it feels like if they, if, you know, if they fumble the bag here in the offseason, these are one of these teams that because of how good their conference is getting, their division is getting in specific in the Metro, you could be on the outside looking in if you don't maneuver these waters properly. And that's really, I think, the main takeaway here is this was one of the first good steps that we knew the Pittsburgh Penguins needed to make and for cheap. And look, Casey DeSmith is not exactly like an all-star or anything like that. Well, that's not what we're talking about. But yeah. one thing we have talked about at length is how short the goaltending position is at depth overall in the league. So if you can bring back a guy with any sort of quality, it's absolutely critical, especially when Steele, and I want to hear your opinion on this, is 
we know how good those other teams in the Metro division are coming. Yeah. Like we can even talk about that for a very quick second. If you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, you need to get it right and quick because the Carolina Hurricanes and New York Rangers and others are starting to flex their muscle and they're tired of looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins and Washington Capitals at the top of that division. Yeah, the New York Rangers, Carolina Hurricanes are at the top of the Metro. Uh, Washington is probably still up there as well. We don't know uh, how big give an effect that Nicholas Backstrom, you know, on this Washington capital team moving forward. But, you know, teams that you would just mentioned, like the New York Islanders struggled all last season, uh, COVID-19 being a huge part of their season goalies, mm, uh, you know, yeah. uh, sorry, not goalies, but um, uh, offensive production was just not up to par yes. last year as well. So I can see the New York Islanders being a team that make a big bounce back as well. I believe they're also like in the talks. Uh, in the talks where I've been linked to Johnny Goudreau, like a sneaky Ooh. team that could potentially land him. In my uh, opinion, Steele, Goudreau is going to a quiet market. Yeah. All the ones yeah. that we've kind of been mentioning, it's he, he can't hack it. And it, I, you know what I'm saying? The Islanders, uh, Hurricanes, these I forget what the other option was. I think it was another the American. Devils, the Devils. Those all, one of all those in the three, metro, all in the metro. It's one of those three, and well, and that yeah. makes sense because there should be an arms race going on. Because if Igor Shosturkin continues to play as good as he has been, the other teams in that division need to start loading up. Yeah, so we could see a, a big swing of uh, those lower those teams that finished in the bottom tier of the metro make a big swing this season if they yes, can make sir. some big. The Devils, the Islanders, being uh, some of those teams, but yeah, the Pittsburgh Penguins do need to. Uh, Need to take a closer look at Evgeny Malkin and Crystal Tang if they, if they want to continue being a playoff team. Uh, thank you so much for making the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast your first listen every single day. We are free on all podcast platforms, which also includes YouTube. So make sure you hit the subscribe and the follow button. Flip and I appreciate all the love and support up there. So thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode. Uh, real quickly, Andrew Cogliano, he signed another one-year deal with the Colorado Avalanche. Yep. Uh you know, running it back with the Stanley Cup champs. This guy's been in the league for so long, finally gets another Stanley Cup uh, uh, ring on his hand, a ring on his finger. And look, he, he he's definitely one of those players that deserves it, but we don't have to talk about him for too long because it is only a one-year deal. Uh, do you have anything to say about this deal for uh, Cogliano, Cogliano and the Avs? One thing that I do want to say about this deal is how it can be pieced together to build a team from the ground up. And everyone looks at Colorado and they, for good reason, look at Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Gabriel Landeskog's performances, even Nazem Kadri and Valerie Nishushkin. And then you take a look at some of these underlying stats from Andre Cogliano in the playoffs and he was injured. He he was fourth on the team, second among forwards in two minutes of shorthanded ice time per game in the postseason, helping Colorado go 90% during the penalty kill in the cup final. He also sprinkles in three goals and three assists in his nine games. So as much at the surface level, and of course, fantasy-wise, it's not a big deal, but we don't always just talk about the fantasy value on the show, although that will become the focus very shortly, people. I'll say it again. We're teeing up the fantasy draft season with everything that you need to know. But Andre Cogliano is just one of those players, Steele, that props due to Julian Brisebois in the GM's office up front for the Colorado Avalanche, making one of those little supplemental moves. That's how I look at that because good for Andrew Cogliano getting a ring on his finger. And, you know, that's just really how I look at that. And that's all I got to say about that.
Yeah, he, he had a big presence in the locker room for the Colorado Avalanche, a big leader for the Colorado Avalanche. I read something that he was one of the biggest reasons why they won that game six because he had a pregame speech that almost had people in tears and he got them all fired up. So a big a, a big locker room presence uh, and great for the Avs to bring back uh, Andrew Cogliano. The last thing that Flip and I need to talk about, the, uh, I don't know, rumors or the situation going on in Edmonton with Jesse Pugliarvi. Yeah. It has been deemed, this is this is what we read, but it has been deemed that Jesse Pogliarvi is a play killer uh, in the locker room by his teammates. And I would have to agree with this. It seems yeah. like every time he enters the offensive zone, the play just dies. If he's not parked in front of the in front of the net and he's not grabbing those rebounds and doing uh, and doing that, other than that, when he's on the outside or skating around, he yeah. pretty much does nothing with the puck and he doesn't create teammates. Look, Jesse Pugliarvi is just one of those enigma-type players because he's not, in my opinion, a draft bust completely because at times he looks like he really does have it. And some of the numbers that he's put up back it up, um, you know, as a fourth overall draft pick, and he's only at 24 years old, you know, there's something that's got to be going on between the ears with this kid. Yeah. I'm with you, though, Steele. Uh, a play killer for sure. Maybe it's just an overall lack of work ethic because he seems to have the size, the skill. You know, he's six foot four, 200 plus pounds. Uh, really one of those power forwards that at times last season was effective. 14 goals, 22 assists, or 36 points in 65 regular season games. What concerns me the most, Steele, is that he has the ability to play with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And I know at times that has been limited due to the, uh, let's say, inability of the Edmonton Oilers to have a set lineup up yeah. front. He yeah. has had to fluctuate up and down that lineup. So maybe there's something to be said about him going somewhere else. Yeah. But something stinks here with him. And I don't know what you think about that because – when you see uh, all the skills and all the pieces and it's a lack of push, that might be uh, the biggest red flag you could have with a young player. Yeah. I think for me, it's a lack of effort. I think his yeah. time with the Edmonton Oilers has come to an end and it's really, we've seen this in the past with a lot of players. It just, it just yeah, doesn't yeah. pan out the way they hoped for and a fresh start might actually rejuvenate this guy's game. And, you know, maybe that might make him realize that he needs to put a lot more effort in. He needs to, he needs to be focused in the games. He needs to be skating 100, 110% every single time he steps on the ice and actually show some effort that he wants to play and has some passion for the game. So maybe it's just, I think his time with the Edmonton Oilers has, has run its course and maybe a fresh start will really uh, kickstart this guy's career again. I, you know, I want to think that's going to be the case because really, realistically, there's not too many options for him to go. Like, hopefully that a change of scenery does just that. You know, he's a restricted free agent. So the Edmonton Oilers do kind of have the uh, ball in their court, if you will, a little bit. But I think you're right. There might be a team somewhere and they should willing to risk, uh, you know, something on Jesse Pugliarvi. But a couple of big red flags there make me very nervous if I was a fan of the team that he's coming to unless he really is a very reduced role. Maybe that's what he needs, but you know he's yeah. not going to take that. He's going to complain about it or whine or whatever he does. So anyway, again, Steele, for the fantasy value, though, this is one of those guys that might be on our 
uh, under the radar or sleeper picks potentially because this is one of those or maybe even boomer bust picks. But hey, there's I'm getting all kinds of excited for these lists, pal. I know you and I have been in the lab. We're working on some offseason scenarios. <laughs> Jesse Pugliarvi is going to be one of those guys that, hey, if you take him in the right scenario, he could be huge. He could be huge. I was just about to say that he's definitely – he's most likely a fantasy draft pick, but probably not until the later rounds. You know, we're yeah. looking 13, 14. Uh, but definitely one of those guys that can fill out your uh, your bottom forwards or uh, sit on your bench for a little bit to start the season. Yep. Thank you so much for making the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast your first listen every single day. For your second listen, though, you have to check out Locked On NHL, Locked On Experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked on NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. It's free and available on all podcast platforms, just like this podcast right here. So if you haven't yet, please hit the subscribe, hit the follow button. Once you do, you'll get the latest episodes of the Locked on Fantasy Hockey Podcast as soon as they're available each and every day. Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock in the morning Eastern time. And thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode with Flip and I. Have a great day. Good luck with all your bets out there. And we shall see you back here again tomorrow.